Welcome back to DC Cinematic Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze Zack Snyder's Justice League by each individual minute. My name is Nathan. You can find me on all social media at NoClutchNate. And my name is Mark. You can find me on all social media at Mark Meadows. And I'm Sam, the host of the Justice League Universe podcast that you can find on most podcasts, apps, and I also blog at comicandscreen.blogspot.com. Everybody, write it down. Check it out. You are not going to want to miss uh, any of Sam's stuff because it's excellent. It always is. Uh, Love to have you here. Welcome back. Thank you. (laughs) And uh, what are we doing? We're doing today, we're talking about minute number... 182 of Zack Snyder's Justice League, part six, something darker. This minute is going to start out with <laughs> with Meemaw. This minute's going to start out with Meemaw. <laughs> uh, the minute's going to start out with Meemaw. I'll say it one more time for the people in the back. No. Um, he said Meemaw. <laughs> Clark and his mother uh, embracing each other as... Uh, you know, Martha witnessing uh, her son's return. The minute's going to end with Aquaman and Cyborg and the Flash. Nope, that's wrong. The minute is going to end. What is written down here? Aquaman empathizing with Cyborg. That's <laughs> a better formed thing to say than what I was ever trying to say. Um, yeah, that's why I wrote it down. It's for like you. he well, he's <laughs> empathizing, but it's it's Aquaman and Flash talking. So that's what kind of threw me off because I was reading yeah, yeah, it and then looked away and I was like, oh wait, hang on. He, so he's yeah, it's empathizing with Cyborg, but he's talking to Barry Allen. It's like Barry Allen's there. <laughs> it's often the case. It's just he's there. He's eating. Uh, and you know we'll talk about it, but um, yeah, the, most of the minute will be, uh, you know, the rest of Clark. And Lois and Martha, you know, back at Ken Farm, um, you know, they're having a great time. Um, Martha and Clark, they're, you know, they're, again, with the hugging and, and the touching and the feeling like, oh, you know, you're back. You're really back. Like, my son is back. This is it just it just this euphoric experience. It's just a miracle, right? And, of course, he says, like, it's, it's really me, Ma. And, but, you know, it's... It's the way Diane Lane is performing this, like, you know, like this miracle. Like she's, she's like choked up. Like, I can't believe this. It's just a really good moment for this movie. And even in like the trailers for the Snyder cut, and I'm using air quotes, um, but like to see those trailers that were coming out of uh, DC fandom and everything else, like to see this like clip of when he's hugging both of them is like, that's one of the best shots of this DC cinematic, you know, universe. And if you want to call it the Snyderverse or whatever you want to call it, but out of the entire cinematic universe that of these new DC films, it's one of the best shot of, of, you know, from the last film, Clark Kent dying to now being back again into like holding both the love of his life and his mother. It's like, ah, this is it. This is like every trial and tribulation that he went through in that second movie where he was basically like crucified and then to come back and i know crucified it's 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 perfectly uh apt for the you know his whole allegory but it's like yeah you're you're back with them it's it's just mm-hmm. a golden moment and to see the you know the rest of this as we were talking about in yesterday's minute to see it here it's just really good yeah 
and with the biblical connections, like some of the stories of like Jesus Christ being risen is also like two women finding him and like identifying him first. Uh, I know some of the gospels have like a slightly different version of it, but you could also say like the women in the life seeing the resurrected hero is also like part of the, the analogy kind of continuing. But I like, I like it more too within the movies of just thinking back to all those moments that we've been through in Man of Steel, Batman, Superman, like you said, Mark, like the, the tribulations, those trials. And it was always these women that were there to like, to say, I see you, I see your heart when things are being challenging or when people are doubting you, or it's like, I'm here to give you advice or give you love as you're going through it. So like it's man of steel. Both of them are there, you know, when he's trying to find his place, trying to find his reason. Then Batman v Superman, both of them are there when he's trying to deal with how the world is responding and, and the people that are coming after him. So just all mm-hmm. of that is then wrapped up in these arms, like as they are in that embrace. And so to me, that's like what we talked about last minute, where it's like, this is what we needed in the third movie of the trilogy. We needed yeah. that to all be wrapped together in that way. And speaking of, you know, the arms, you know, she Martha Kent here, um, as she's hugging Clark, she notices Lois Lane behind her and she, with, she outstretches her arms like, oh, hey, come here. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen you join since the, the fa- funeral. And join the family. <laughs> How are you? Are you still live in that apartment in, in Metropolis? Because I've never been there. So it's been so nice to see Mark, you again. Dang come you, Mark. Here. How dare you, Mark? No, no, it's very sweet. <laughs> But like you're not it's kind of like we don't really know where Martha's at right now other than her having to very sadly drive away with the U-Haul in the beginning of the film. Mm-hmm. Like the previous Martha scene wasn't Martha. So it's like where's her feelings at? Like is she it's kind of like a blank slate, you know? She didn't do the whole Lois Lane, you need to move on. Look, I'm moving on. It's like, well, no, you're okay. not. What do you mean? All right. What if John Jones, though, read her mind very deeply, and so everything he was saying to Lois was actually true feelings that he picked up from her? That makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> I know. <laughs> there are some people, I, I, I think some but people you're probably right. <laughs> that maybe he's done the opposite, like where he's posed at Lois Lane and talking, uh, talked to Martha Kent at her place. And they uh, both had like, so they both, both they both think that they've had a similar conversation, and so yes, uh, it just the location might have been different. Yeah, so when they're like, "No, you were at my house," I'm like, "Nah, I think I was, <laughs> I, I I was home, and you came to my place." And they're like, "No, I I, I thought you came over here." They'll 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 have to be like, "Oh, must, I guess I'm getting, uh, you know, dementia or something." <laughs> you know, like he's just tricked them into thinking it's it's been at someone's house. Um, but yeah, maybe he's he's played double agent for both of them. Yeah. Uh, so maybe that's the case. But yes, um, either way, they're here. It's 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 a great time. Um, and and it's also, at least for for us who really like Dawn of Justice, you know, their their real last meeting was the the funeral, and you know where he she um, Martha Kent walks into Clark's room where Lois Lane is and and said, you know, Clark wanted you to have this, which was the wedding ring, um, and you know, this is the second, you know, this is following after the funeral, like they're back at this house because they weren't, you know. Whether or not the conversation with Martha Manhunter, you know, whatever, they're back here at this house together. And last time they were here together, it was for his death, and now it's for his rebirth. Mm-hmm. So um, they're back here again together, Martha and Lois, and it's just an, a great time. Um, I really want to say something about Clark Kent's hair, Henry Cavill's hair that is done here for this minute. It's a really good Superman hair. I really like. 
you know everything about it is like excellent uh clark kent yeah like i want that flannel i it looks like a flannel that i have very similar in my closet also i have like a like a pullover jacket that has the same kind of it's that tone it's that darker tone um Mm -hmm. the flannel Mm -hmm. i have has dual chest pockets which i'm not a fan of but anyway yeah they're very hard to pull off yeah well i can do it don't 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 you worry (laughs) i got (laughs) um yeah no it's a really good really good flannel um Sam, I think you said it yesterday's episode. Everybody's got like earth tone colors. Mm-hmm. I, I am like blown away at the wardrobe choice in this entire scene. It really is like someone sh- uh, should have gotten a raise for their eye for seeing all of this, honestly. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm sure it's still Michael Wilkinson, not just costume, uh, superhero costume designer, but. You know, he he's spoken about um, the Daily Planet and how everyone there was um, somehow dressed to look like as if they're in the 1940s. But at the same time, it's a modern film. So there's a there's a nice fusion of it that they do. And you see that when Clark Kent's doing the reporting for the Daily Planet, that there's still this aesthetic of like the 1940s to uh, evoke the the Superman, uh, Max, Max Fleischer's uh, era. And um yeah, we see that here with like, again, trying to look like a comic book for a movie. It's like, how do we get them to look like Lois Lane, Martha Kent, and Clark Kent here at Kent Farms? It's like, this flannel shirt is doing a lot of work. Um, but then also his hairstyle has, whether people realize it or not, his hairstyle has changed greatly since Man of Steel and then Dawn of Justice and then here again in, in Justice League. Mm-hmm. Um they they do shape up his hair very differently in those three films to fit the comic book that they're aiming for for these for those movies and so um this this hairstyle here is very different than what it looked like in Man of Steel and then Donald Justice was like completely like slick. combed straight slick yeah, back. And slicked and 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 trying to give him more of like an aged look as if they were going for Dark Knight Returns. Um, but then here it's it's um, just very good. It's got I don't know maybe it's got that Kryptonian Genesis Chamber goop. <laughs> I need to write down. Let <laughs> me get some. Of we that. there's got to be uh, just like amazing hair gel names that we could probably pull from all of that. Uh, let's let's uh, can Candor looks. It's like L.A. Mm-hmm. looks, but like <laughs> oh, that's bad. That's really bad. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Genesis gel. I think it's just Genesis, Genesis gel is good. Genesis gel is good. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of other ones. I'm trying to. Uh, 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 I mean, key 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 X Kilo-Riel. number six. It's like Olaplex, but like yeah. Keylor X. I don't know. That's yeah. that's there kind of go. bad. Uh, yeah. I think Key L'Oreal would be good. Key L'Oreal so. is good. No tears yeah. here. Oh, there you go. A Johnson Johnson company. Yeah. Um uh, <laughs> That's too that's too silly. We can at, have a, at me have... with all of your uh Kryptonian hair gel names, honestly. Yeah, people are screaming out better ones into the yeah, void. 100%. Oh yeah, that's their job, not mine. Yeah. Um I have a connection too with the Man of Steel BVS kind of Justice League, you know, tr- trilogy sort of here. It's it's with the dialogue. Um, you know, there's dialogue is is usually well chosen when they do it and she asks you know is it really you and he says it is me which is great it's like okay i can hug him i have my son back 
but also to me, what I take from that is for him saying it's me means it's everything that we know about him from Man of Steel and Batman v Superman, which means he is going to just feel compelled to help other people. Like if he sees a crisis, he's like, I'm going to go help in it. And so I think Mm -hmm. that by the end of the Smallville part, that ends up actually being kind of bittersweet to Martha. It's like, she's so happy to have her son back. But then at the end, when she sort of does some great emotional acting, just silently with her face. And then she goes back into his like embrace. She's like, I also might be losing my son again because he's now going to go off onto another thing that he has to do. But to me, that's him saying it's me. I'm still the same me. I'm still the person who, like Lois said, like you can't help, Mm. but, but go and, and help people. Like it's part of his nature or it's, it's his choice that he makes because he does have the choice in it, but he's always going to make that choice of I'm going to go help. And I'm going to still go like find my reason. So before it was like finding the reason from his maybe, you know, Kryptonian parents here, it's to find the reason from the justice league that brought him back. Mm-hmm. And so he really is the same person coming back. He's the same character. He has more stoicism to him. He has more of a, a center, I think, that is at peace. And he's has his second chance. Um, but he's definitely the same character. And I think for Martha, she realizes I have my son back. But uh, that also means I he's not a new son who's just going to stay at home and like be with his mom all the time. Right. Which is maybe what she secretly like would like. I'm sure. You know? Yeah, because having that heartbreak and and grief of losing him, yeah, she would. Like, she don't would probably no, you don't leave it. the house. Like you yeah, stay please just here. Stay, stay with me all the time. Yeah, yeah like hundred percent. But then she also in all that acting, all that totally unspoken acting, it's also her reason re- realizing like, of course he's not just going to stay with me. He's still Clark. He's still going to mm-hmm. go and save people. You know. So I just love that part of it, too. Like, he is yeah. back, and he's really back, which means he's going to put himself in danger again. Yeah, that's the other, like, the fear is, like, well, you could die again, dude. Like, you know, we yeah. thought you couldn't die before, but guess guess what? You got yeah. stabbed through the heart, man. Like, it could happen again. So I think it's also, like, the last, right before she goes back to lean her head on his chest, it's, like, her accepting that other side of, like, well... Yep. I could go through this all again. I did it before. Yep. Could I do it again? I don't know. That's yeah. pretty intense. To me, the, mm-hmm. the way I see it is, like you said, the first embrace is like, I'm so glad that you're back. The second embrace is, oh, I have to still have this fear of losing you and you're still going to be going out and I'm going to worry about you when you're doing things. Yeah. No, you're right. It, it very very much is like, I I know that you're really back as you and all the scare that we've had with, the heroes park fight scene um this helped confirm like underneath it all like he is returned like the clark kent that we that we lost in the last film and um yeah this this would be him if he you know he will never stop trying to save other people and it's something that we talked about in man of steel as well and so yes it's it's you know to see his moral obligation to like, Oh, I need to go do this. It's like, Oh, because you really are back. This is something you would do. Uh, it, it, it adds fuel to the fire, which would be the discussion of like the next two movies where we then see dark side manipulate the anti-life equation to kind of turn Superman into like this nightmare version of himself. Um, knowing that this is Clark Kent and then, and then seeing the way that dark side can manipulate him. Um, we have this very beautiful moment here, but then knowing part six, something darker, you know, it's like, 
there's a tragedy that will happen in the in the next two films if if they were ever to be uh, produced. We would see that like there's going there will be tragedy that strikes Clark Kenton now instead of him dying. It will be the loss of Lois Lane and possibly also Martha Kent, which will really um, or not maybe Martha Kent. Um, maybe she will endure apocalypse and maybe uh maybe she'll be a way that superman can um uh you know fight his way out of the anti-life equation who knows i'm like speculating at this point but i missed the time to do a bane to do a bane thing you said endure but endure you can do it you can do it you could do it in a bane voice you have to do it in a bane voice no i'm good i'm good no um but (laughs) yeah (laughs) there you go um yeah, it's 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 evidence here, confirmation here that that this is our Clark Kent, our Superman. Um, but then knowing the road ahead, where he becomes Nightmare Superman, it's just like, oh, well, I guess it's not that um, you're not back, and you know you're just you were reborn again as like this darker version of Superman. It's like, no, he's really back. It's just there's going to be something with Darkseid and the Anti Life Equation. That will basically ruin his world, which is Lois Lane and Martha Kent, uh, and then that is what corrupts uh, his perspective on life and makes it that mm-hmm. dark gray reality that General Zod yeah. was talking about. Because the reason he can keep going out is because he does have these two women like supporting him and there as his like you know foundation. And so if they were taken away, it would totally mess up his whole everything, you know. So yeah, he can be himself because he has he's reunited with his two kind of main support emotional support and and just everything yeah yeah and and in the last film where he says you know you are my world to lois lane it's what drives him to sacrifice himself fighting doomsday because he could not you know live in a world where they are destroyed by doomsday mm-hmm. so if dark side says i can do it mm-hmm. and then does it and he's failed at what he tried to do which was sacrifice himself to save the planet and if he can't save people then he's failed as a superhero mm-hmm. so he picks up being a super villain i guess <laughs> you know like yeah. it's just uh you know really good storytelling for these villains you know to have general zod come in and then to have um lex Luthor and doomsday try to destroy that which is he is protecting now only for um you know then you have steppenwolf show up and then He's like, this ain't happening again. I'm going to stop it before it gets worse. So he gets really angry at Steppenwolf. And you see like this raw power from Superman who will not let an alien from outside destroy this world again. And then, of course, Darkseid shows up. And I'm sure in the next two films, if Darkseid showed up, um, that he would like completely just let loose on Darkseid thinking that he's just like Steppenwolf and we've defeated all these other monsters before. Like, Darkseid's no different. And then Darkseid proves him wrong and says, like, I am different and I am, like, the Omega here. And then, of course, destroys his world. So there's just really good story crafting that they have connecting, you know, what would have been this five-film arc, but they kind of tee it up with this trilogy, at least. Yeah. The... The fact that there were two more Justice League films like conceived, though, is what makes me really mad that Warner Brothers or whoever like decided to package this as Zack Snyder's Justice League trilogy. 
to me, that just feels like a smack because it's like, no, there actually was a Justice League one and then two and then three. And that would have been Zack Snyder's Justice League trilogy. So that's yeah. why I, I always want to call this the Dawn of Justice trilogy, because I feel like that's just a better name for it. Like it, it, it's it still from, is from <laughs> yeah. Superman leading it to Justice of the Dawn of Justice. And we're, we're saying that as we look at this minute in the sunrise, you know. Yeah, it, it, it always did. It always felt more like it should have been called the Dawn of Justice trilogy is what we called it back in the day. Uh, but of course, they call it the Justice League trilogy or <laughs> If you're someone on the internet, you call it the Snyderverse, which is like just a cacophonous term for me. It's like I, it's like I say it knowing what people understand it to be, but it's it's one of my least favorite terms for this cinematic universe is yeah. calling it that. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I do. My last thing on the uh, Smallville farm part of it is like we've talked a lot about how it really works in the context of Man of Steel, BVS and like Superman's arc and Lois and stuff. But I think it also works in this Justice League movie in relation to the other characters, because what we're seeing here is we're seeing like Superman is the inspiration. Superman is, you know, like directly and then in some indirect ways, like he's Flash's hero. He's literally the inspiration for Batman to sort of make the turn, bring the team together. But also to me, this is showing Superman has these family connections and this these loving this loving um, support system that the other characters need. Like the other characters are through the movie are going through this arc of coming out of their isolation and, and making connections with people. Some of them have really fraught family relationships, you know, like Cyborg, his dad, Flash, and his dad are separated. And um, none of the other characters could have this kind of embrace with their loved ones, but they're getting to that place through the movie. They're starting to make connections. Arthur Curry is going to open up a little bit more. You know, Flash is going to make some connections. Cyborg is going to actually sort of realize um, he doesn't get to totally reconcile with his dad, but he kind of does in a poetic way, you know, by the end. Um, so for me, it's like Superman here is also showing this inspiration of look what you can do, look how powerful you can be, look how strong you can be when you have this kind of support and you can actually pull them to you. And it's kind of sad that some of the other characters start out not having that but they're working towards it and to me that that's part of what this whole movie does is it's moving the characters towards having those mm. connections you know it reminds me a whole lot of one of those first scenes in man of steel where he's falling off the oil rig and he's chilling in the water and then you see the whale with the baby and it's like oh that's the family that's the connection that they that's the imagery yo like you have your pod you have your people um Wow. So extremely yeah, poetic, you know, took three movies. Right. But families like are huge in the like DCEU. It's yeah. Like, there's a lot of mothers and children and fathers and children and, the, you know, siblings and like. Um, and so I think it's nice to have Superman as like this pure center of like he had his fathers that he kind of came to terms with in Man of Steel. He has the women in his life. And I I'm a big Superman fan and I like it how Superman is this beacon of that stability, that love, that family connection in the middle of this universe, this cinematic universe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we, um, yeah, like Casey said, at the, at the end of this movie, Arthur will say, you know, I have to go find my father. I have to go see him again. Um, Barry Allen uh, will have not only visiting his father at the end to say that he's moving on and um, he's getting a, a job job. Um, but then also in like his own movie, he will um, kind of, use his newfound ability technique to maybe turn back time and see his mother again for uh, reasons. And then 
the end of the movie with uh, at the end of this movie with Gal Gadot holding that Artemis arrow thinks about returning to Themyscira to see her mother who banished her off that island yeah. from Wonder Woman. Yeah. And so and then also Batman who's accepted that his parents aren't coming back, but with this new league of friends, he's like finding new family again. And he's um, going to open and, up the manor again. Like that's yeah. Yeah, a big symbolic thing. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think to me that's it's a big theme in this movie and then even spreading into other movies in the in the DCEU as well. Yes, absolutely. Speaking of Justice League, we'll, we'll move on over to the Bat Cave. We'll see Cyborg is starting to talk to his new friend, the Flying Fox, which is a uh, giant troop carrier, and it's uh, having a bit of technical difficulties, but he can uh, speak to machines in a way where he's now starting to um, keep himself busy, keep his mind working. Um, ever since the loss of Dr. Silas Stone, he's been very, like, um, I've got nothing left, um, excuse me, like nothing left to lose, um, which is very um, dangerous mindset. And so he's, uh, you know, I, I need to do this, connect with the mother boxes, stop the unity. I, you know, I don't care if it kills me because, you know, I've got to not let what my father did um, be in vain. So I have to do this, which is just completely hardcore behavior um and then so he's in this bat cave but in, instead of like letting the thoughts fester he's now like and this is all my opinion take here is it's like keep the mind busy and so now he's going back to talking about the flying fox but it also serves for the story because then we get uh you know to see the flying fox later in the movie so uh, it's kind of gone through its own story as well of like a ship that's not working and batman can't figure it out but with the help of cyborg uh he, he gets it up and running. But yes, he gets, starts talking to this flying fox, uh, multi-troop transport machine. And then, of course, Aquaman and Barry Allen are talking about Cyborg as he does this. Yeah, and I like the earlier foreshadowing where you see Batman and especially Alfred like working on this, and it's not going very well. And I like that as just a foreshadowing. Like, Cyborg will take care of it eventually. You know, <laughs> Gives a nice role for Cyborg. I mean, Cyborg really has a lot to do in this movie. Like he's he's central to a lot of the not just the plot, but central to some of the themes and um to the emotional core. I know that's what they call me, you know, the heart of the movie, but he's mm -hmm. he's like very very crucial up and down this movie all over the place. What do you think the uh what do you think he's looking at on the schematic here? It says uh he's pulled up some sort of material uh slash slash sign data. Uh, data. <laughs> you think he's like actually looking at like what kind of like metal alloy this thing is made? Like what are the? I mean, I, I'm I'm saying it as if it's like outlandish, but like what are all the components that make up this thing? But it's like, oh yeah, he totally is. That's exactly what he's doing. <laughs> yeah, I I I, I kind of want to look at it um, in more detail because I don't you I have the tech book. The cutaway? No. Oh. The manual? The tech oh, manual? What it, you have the Dawn it. of Justice one, so it's I just... No, no, no. I never got I never got the tech manual. No? Oh, man. No. I wonder if there's like and, a... Uh, you know... Uh, visual yeah, dictionary cool. type thing. Yeah. They, they should have made... Uh, I don't know. I, I, need to, I need to own it because I think it's really cool to have. Uh, the tech manual that was the 
Uh, it was a supplemental book for Dawn of Justice, for listeners wondering what, what I'm referring to. But as well as the Art of book, which I do, I have the Dawn of Justice Art of book, but the, the Dawn of Justice uh, Batman Tech Manual was like an in-universe, but still like Art of book, where it just kind of went through all the technology of Batman, the Batmobile, the grappling gun, and like kept it kind of in-universe of like, schematics and stuff like this and so basically what cyborg's looking at here in his own vision would be like something you would read about in the tech manual um that is a real book that you can buy probably on amazon if it's still available um but um in 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 this minute like as cyborg is studying the flying fox i always wanted to look for something that was like easy for the audience to be like oh look that little square in the flying fox is like beeping red or something like tell me that there's something wrong with it and that it, it needs to be um fixed uh but otherwise it's he's just looking at a schematic of the flying fox there's not there's no um alert or detail that like implies like the that the damage is pinpointed to a certain part of the ship or thing that um bruce wayne can't fix um but yeah, it's something I always looked at here. It's like, is is there is is it going to tell me what's wrong here? Can I look at it? Um, he just seems to be scanning it and rotating it. Um, so there's there's not much to go on other than he's looking at it and he's understanding it in a way that I cannot because I simply don't have the mother box technology. <laughs> it's cool though that earlier he was using this kind of projector sort of thing to show Superman, and they got Superman flying again. So now he's projecting this, and they're, he's going to get that flying again too. Hmm. So if you got yes. if you got Cyborg on the case and he's working it through like this, it's like he's got a pretty high success rate. Because he's uh he's our he's our new Cyborg Superman. He's um he's uh, getting all this fixed up, and with the help of the Mother Box, he's using his his new abilities to to help others. And um, what I really like about this scene here is is how we talk about our friends who are going through a tough time um we we haven't spent a lot of time with aquaman but we've talked a lot about him on the show being a um reserved defender as part of the justice league and when we talk about the group dynamic here of characters that aquaman is stoic a man of few words but his moral compass is very sound and this is a, a good scene for the audience to understand that um, of course we've talked a lot about it we've analyzed it we've discussed it a lot so we we've taken what we've seen and, and, and really explored it but for someone watching this for the first time they've only seen such a very hardened uh, superhero uh, be hesitant ab about making uh, some of these more chaotic decisions or experimental decisions that Batman and Cyborg have had. And um, so we see here in this in this minute that he's very considerate about what Cyborg is going through, especially the loss of a father. And um, the way he talks to Barry Allen is very enlightening to the audience about his character. Mm -hmm. yeah. My question, uh, first of all, it would be... Uh, <laughs> I was wondering what Barry Allen was eating in this minute. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I didn't, I didn't pick up what he was eating, but I definitely noticed that he was eating, which also, yeah, fits with his character. Just like, yep, when he has a, when he has downtime, just make sure he's always getting cal getting calories in there. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. uh, what, yeah, what could it be? Let's just, um, 
So if Alfred Light put color, tea he's out, holding it with his fingers. Yeah. Like, is it like one of those like cookies that you put on top of the hot teacup? Oh, you know what I'm oh, talking about? This was from Alfred. Yeah, because Al- earlier Alfred said he was like going to go get some stuff, right? Some yeah. Tea. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, some biscuits. I'll get the tea. Yeah, I'll get the tea ready. Let's hope we have enough cups. So, I mean, <laughs> me just basing that off of like the one second of food stuff that I can see on this thing, <laughs> it looks like it has. Um, a waffle type shape, waffle mm-hmm. type indents to it, and that kind of is a dead giveaway for those little cookies that you put on on top of a coffee cup or anything like that. Um, mm-hmm. So it probably is. What is that? Is that, a, is that a crumpet? Is Stroop, that what those are? I don't know these Stroop things. Waffle. I'm from America. It would have to be like a Stroop waffle kind of thing, or um, some sort of waffle cookie. Um, it's not. It's not like a pizzelle or anything, but it's it's just like a. It's not well, a biscotti, you know. Uh, yeah, I mean, it could be, but it's definitely like of uh, tea and biscuits, right? Like that's that would be what Alfred is doing. But I'm sure, you know, I'm sure Alfred brought all this tea and biscuits out, and like no one is eating. But then Barry Allen is just going to town on it, like. Can I have I'm yours? Sorry. <laughs> Are you gonna eat yeah, that? I... <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I'm sure Alfred is like, "Oh, finally, someone who eats the food that I make." Have you I'm ever sure been you... in that position? Like in in that in so I've never been, I've never paid attention to that because I am the one that is eating when someone <laughs> puts things out. So I don't know if it was my mom uh, over the the this holiday season i was over at my mother's house and there were a a few neighbors over and everything and i was chilling drinking my coffee i was drinking wine and you know i was sitting in the back and and she had put out you know nosh and i was going to town i was doing it um you know cheese crackers meatballs those kind of things i never paid attention to if anybody else was like making plates or whatever i kind of just assumed i just wasn't paying attention and then later on like the next day or whatever she told me and she was like you know do you want all this stuff she had it bagged up and i was like what do you where did all this come from he's like no one ate anything yesterday i was like you got to be out of your mind does that have you guys ever been or do you pay attention to that so i do a lot of uh, especially during the holidays, a you guys of, host. I'm sure <laughs> a lot. Of, yeah, well, we host, but we, you know, like a lot of family events. And I, one, if I'm hosting and there's a lot of food out, you know, something that <laughs> kind of bothers me is like people just stare at it. Or they don't know when someone's going to tell them to eat, and I don't like being the person to say like, "Oh, go ahead and start eating." It's like, please start eating. It is out. Like you have to yeah. start eating. Like I don't want it to go to waste. I don't want to yeah. put it away. Like I've I've put it out, but also like going to someone's house who's doing like Christmas Eve or Thanksgiving or whatever to see so much food being put out. And I don't know what it is about the holidays, but people bring so much food yeah. and yet people don't eat any of it. And it's like, you brought it. Like you, you, yeah. you came in with a dish of your own. Yeah. And, and, and you guys are barely eating anything. Like why, why have 20 people bring 20 dishes if you guys are going to eat like so little, like yeah. please eat um or just don't bring anything you know like so yeah i'm like i you know uh <laughs> i try to start eating because i had read an article about how they're like in parties or in social situations like that a lot of people will want to start eating but nobody wants to be the first one to do it so for years now i've been like oh as soon as it's out and it seems appropriate then i just go for it because i like break the seal i'm like you know let people have at it but then That's after that i look at it 
I don't watch the people that like you were asking about Nathan. I don't watch the other people that much, like who's eating what or who's eating a lot or whatever. But what I do watch is I watch the food items and I'll like notice I'm like, that one is easy to grab. And so it's probably going to go fast. And that one, like you have to do an extra step to scoop it out or it's not cut yet. And so I'll like make these predictions. Like, I think that one's not going to go very well because hmm. it's hard. It's hard to serve it. Not because okay. it's bad. And then mm-hmm. this one's like, oh, that one's so easy to grab. I bet you like that's going to go. So I okay. like just try to I try to make those hypotheses and stuff. So we so we what you're saying is that we need to now start, you know, giving over unders on hors d'oeuves and probably How invite a bookie over to the party. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> we can yeah, be cleaning the house by the end I, of the night. I am now, though, after like observing this for a long time, I'm a firm believer that. It will go more based on how easy it is to grab than how like great it tastes or something like that. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> if you buy a jar of salsa and, and lay out chips, it is very easy for people to like go at it. Um, but if you were to bring a dish that is covered in foil mm-hmm. and it has to go in the oven and reheat and then you yeah. bring it back out and you leave it, you know, it's like, oh, it's there. It's on the stove, you know, but it's still covered in foil. Some people just not touch it. They were like, I, I don't want to be the one who yep. unravels the foil. Yep. Because no. then I have to make sure I put it back without breaking it. And it's like, they're yep. like I don't even. I even just, I've noticed even just taking the lid off of something versus leaving the lid on, that will totally affect the proportion of it that gets like taken up. So it's like, you'll just take the lid off, put the lid under it. Now you'll get 40% activity on that thing. If you left the lid on, you might've got five or 10% of people towards it. Yeah. No, it's, it's uh, yeah. basic statistics. This is this is your forte, <laughs> Sam. Yeah. No, I, yeah. I'm from kind of a math background. I've also noticed the thing, Mark, that you're talking about with people bringing food. So, like, for me, mathematically, the wrong thing to do is for everybody to bring enough of their dish for everybody. Because then, if you have 20 people, you've 20 mm. people have brought enough for 20 people. That's 400 like servings worth or whatever. Um, so it's like, no, you, you don't want to scale it for everybody to bring enough for everybody. You want to, you want to base it on how much you would eat like of mm-hmm. anything and then add a little bit. Cause you don't want to like, you don't want to run out too much, uh, but yeah, it's yeah. like, or imagine having a hundred people. It's like, oh, if everybody brought enough of their food for a hundred people to have it, you now just had a hundred people bring a hundred things, That's a, a hundred yeah. servings worth. And it's like, no way that's going to work. That's a lot. I'm trying to think of like the parties that we've had, Mark, that we've had that have had, you know, our shrimp miss and our friends giving that our immediate group of friends bring food at. Um, And, you know, I don't think there's ever been any one of those parties where a dish that we brought didn't get either completely eaten or, you know, 90% of it because, I mean, we're we're all... (laughs) Making really yeah. good stuff. <laughs> yes, yeah, no, you're you're right. With especially, yeah, and <laughs> I'm just like thinking back to like Mike's apartment. It's like there were dishes. Like we were running out of food at those yeah, parties. Speaking, <laughs> speaking personally, like with our friends group, it's it's you know what we also plan. You know what we're bringing. We're also very familiar with what's going to be at a party. Yeah, that we're like, oh, so we're, we I want plan. that. <laughs> we all know what we're getting into. We we definitely want them. But yeah, just you know, going to um, other parties or whether it's uh business or family it's like no you guys brought a lot of stuff and uh like you said sam it's like the mathematics it adds up very quickly yeah um, where, and where it really gets <laughs> starts to get out of hand is like events that are like more than 20 people or something like that and then if you have yeah. a lot of people that are thinking too big it gets crazy but like if you're in the 5 to 15 sort of zone you can kind of make it work you know without too much problem yes absolutely but, but then again here uh in in uh the bat cave it's like 
it seems like these superheroes are always so hardened that they're just like not going to eat anything. And yet Alfred is like, should I even bother? Should I bring anything <laughs> out? And then it's, of course it's like Barry's like, Oh, I'll just eat for everyone. Like this is, I'll just do it. And so be that person, people be the Barry Allen at, at an event, like eat mm-hmm. the food. Um, if you're hungry and, and people feel, wait. people feel good if they see that a lot of people ate it and stuff. So just like help other people feel good by just stuffing some more in your face. Yeah. Yeah. Or take it home with you for later. <laughs> uh, um, one other thing I was thinking about with this on the justice league deal is I was reminded of, I think something a long time ago, I think it was for man of steel when Zack Snyder was saying like, they have to have costumes where it doesn't look ridiculous for them to just be like standing and talking in their costumes. Yeah. Maybe it was for mm-hmm. Batman v Superman when it was like you're having Batman and Superman together and stuff. But I feel like now it's like, oh, no, they they pulled that off. Because, like, for me, when I'm watching this, it's like, yeah, that's Flash. He has his, you know, he's got his suit from the neck down. And Cyborg's doing his thing and his cyborg body. But for me, I'm just totally like, yes, it all makes sense. It all looks good. It all is like there's Arthur with his, you know, Atlantean armor kind of stuff on. And to me, it doesn't feel silly at all. It doesn't feel like out of place or something. It's like they all fit. It fits for the character and it fits for the scene. And and I don't know, at least for me, I watch it and I'm like, yes, it's very believable. This is what they're wearing. And so I feel like Zack Snyder and, you know, uh, is it Wilkinson? Wilkinson, um, they, yeah. they've like achieved their original goal, at least from my perspective. I, I agree 100%. And I, th- I think a lot of it is... Um... It, for me personally, it comes from the muted colors of the costumes and it mm-hmm. not being so, you know, pulled right from the comic book, all bright colors. Um, yeah. And like that's I, I think it's a really important thing. Um, and and also distance, because, uh, you know, if Superman's really far away, but you still need to figure out that Superman, you got to kick up the color on that red. You got to make it a little bit brighter than when he's just like standing right in front of you and you kind of just want to actually see that cloth material um, and it not just, you know, be not just be Doctor Strange bright red in your face and it, you know, flapping anyway. Uh, yeah, no, you're 100 percent right. This is definitely a key moment in um standing and talking in costumes uh neck down and just being completely normal yeah it's it's something that i really liked when when watchmen finally clicked for me as a movie like you know seeing it twice and like not really caring for the movie but then one time watching the director's cut and just being like wow i really like this movie was like those superheroes you know, as actors in the superhero suit talking to each other. And what I really like about this minute here is is this example of like having your actor still in the costume, but with we sans the cow, like we take the cowl off and we see it a lot with Bruce Wayne or, or Ben Affleck as, as Bruce Wayne um, in the in, in the cape, but not the cow. And so that I, I've always loved you know, giving your actor that that overall shape of being in the suit, but then like they don't have the cowl on because they're not fighting. I, I like that balance of like they're in the suit, but like they're also just talking normally. I've, I've always liked that, and I like that with Watchmen a lot. And 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 so this movie does a really good job. All, all three ways. So not only uh, of them when they're in the full costume and not only with this balance, but also if they're going to be in casual clothes, 
then they also having like, well, Barry Allen's going to wear like a red hoodie and, you know, it, like still in, it, it evokes like, yeah. okay, I, I know who this character is because he's wearing red. Yeah. And then <laughs> Bruce Wayne in like the charcoal vest pants with the black shirt. It's like, oh, okay, that's Bruce Wayne. That's Batman. So I've, I've always liked those little um, uh, color tees that they do. Um, another thing that I wanted to say about Flash standing here is that um, uh, it it looks just like a perfect action figure. Um, and I think it's mainly due to the shoulders uh, on him. And it's like clone armor, you know what I'm talking about? It's like you can look at clone armor, especially live action Star Wars. You look at the clones and you look at them live action. And uh, if, if Morrison was actually there in costume you can see like hmm, the separation of plates you can see the the undersuit you can see that like it's accessories tagged mm-hmm. onto the character so and it's like fitting as well form fitting that's another big thing um you know make the foam form fitting right uh mm-hmm. or plastic whatever it is but this definitely looks like i can see all of the points of articulation in the flash rather than you know, uh, I'm not going to name specific ones, but a Batman suit could just look like one whole piece of rubber and the functionality is just that. But it's like, well, yeah, it kind of was like that in its inception. So if you if you went with he needs to move his arms, then maybe you should have allowed him to move his arms. Uh, anyway, mm-hmm. great costuming. Um, I don't have any dawn of justice or justice league figures do i no yeah i do i got the mafex batman and superman what am i talking about yeah yeah i got the nightmare one too what am i doing what am i saying i don't have any flash ones i got like other designer i only have one action figure uh, and it's uh, one of those mcfarland toys it's a cyborg one I, i i talked about it with uh rebecca johnson we talked about the omega symbol but um but yes uh this is like our only scene in this entire movie where Barry Allen is in the flash suit without the cowl. Like this is the only time we'll see him without the helmet um, is this scene here. And mm. it's, it's really, you know, really great job that we have here. I mean, we, we see it, um, I guess counting the scene before where they're pointing at the screen and talking about Pajornov and Cyborg's like, this is something I must do. And Barry Allen says, um, you know, if, if, um, what does he say? Uh, uh, if, if he wants to go fight these psycho murder machines and I, I say we put him in the doom box. Um, that's not the quote exactly, but he says doom box and he doesn't have a, the cow, but this is kind of the same chapter here. So, mm-hmm. but this is the only time we see him, but he looks great. Like, uh, well, mm-hmm. I should say Ezra Miller looks great here in, in, in the costume here with um, looking as Barry Allen in the suit. Yeah, I agree. Cool. Um, well, that's all I had for this one. So I don't know if you guys have any other notes for, for this No, I'm one. good. Cool. All right. Well, we're going to wrap up for today. If you've enjoyed today's show, please consider leaving us a five-star review. It really does help the show and helps new listeners discover the show as well. If you'd like to join in on the conversation, you can find us on Twitter at DCEU Minute. And if you'd like bonus content, we have a Patreon for just $3 with tons of other podcasts to listen to. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you here next time on DC Cinematic Minute.